Hey, Scott. Hey, Nick. Oh, what's up? Why do you look so down? I just... I can't believe Back to the Future Minute is over. Hey, it's okay, man. You got Spider-Man Minute. You got the Doctor's Companion. What more do you want? What? You want your favorite uh, scientist and little uh, little assistant? You want me to do Doc and Marty? <gasps> right? You'll get over it. You'll be fine. Oh, who the hell put this on? It's on random. For God's sake. Look, it's not that I want to keep doing Back to the Future Minute forever. I'm just trying to say that I need something a little more. I want to get out there and do interesting stuff. Podcast a little. And I'd love to be able to do it with you, but I want you to want to do it too. I agree. We should get out there, but what can we do? How about a Cornetto? A Cornetto? Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. First, we'll start with a bite of Shaun of the Dead. Then, we'll take some shots of hot fuzz, and later, we'll wrap it all up with a couple of pints at the world's end. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! The Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we take car, go to mums, kill Phil, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, and have a nice cold pint one minute at a time. It all blows over starting with Shaun of the Dead this October at DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one what have you done minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm John Engel. Welcome, John, John. thanks for joining us. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm well, glad absolutely. to finally come on here and talk about some Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Got in under the wire. <laughs> here yep. we are at the end of all things. Uh, today we're talking with John about minute 111. Which uh, opens with Spidey, you know, placing Norman down on a a couch, I guess it is. Some sort of Ottoman-like object. And Harry walks in. And then the minute ends with Harry at the funeral saying, I swear on my father's graves. And then he just stops. (laughs) (laughs) We don't get the the end of that sentence. (laughs) He's not... He's not saying I swear on my father's graves. Like, does he get more than one grave? Right. He's a very wealthy man, so it's possible, I guess. He's got a whole like uh, like a pharaoh's setup, you know, where mm-hmm. there's a there's the main tomb and then like two separate tombs to the side, and then right. you know there's some and passageways. Or he was either of- that, or he was in worse shape than we thought. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I it's, uh, like... hopefully it's not too Egyptian with the, uh, all the servants <laughs> buried with him and everything. Right, exactly. <laughs> Horses. Oh, no. Bernard Houseman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Bernard Houseman in the antechamber. Uh, <laughs> later. Somebody else has to, like, go in and break in later and avoid all the booby traps to mm. lift the curse of Houseman. Uh <laughs> So I I just my first note is that um Harry looks so much like and I guess I guess I guess James Franco but yeah he looks so much like Anthony Perkins here. Oh uh, yeah. It, it just like the way he's walking like his body language I think maybe mm. the turtleneck cuz I think at some point um in Psycho Anthony Perkins wears yeah. a turtleneck. But yeah, I'm getting I'm getting like big time Anthony Perkins vibes from, from uh, that James entrance. Franco. Yeah, from that yeah. entrance. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe less exactly. the gun brandishing bit, but definitely the, the entrance. Yeah. 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 The the gun brandishing thing is weird because he seems to hold that gun like someone who's used a gun before. And Harry doesn't strike me as someone who has used a gun. Yeah. I it it's like it's not only that he knew where it was, but he seemed very like handy with it uh, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term like he's i don't know it, it was sort of a more sinister edge than i was expecting out of the the tail end of that um i maybe i can't wonder because i wonder what franco was doing before this it's just really what like freaks and geeks and uh the james dean thing and he did right. he do like an action movie or somewhere something in there where he got proficient with weapons or like oh, no. like maybe like the scene just reads you know, Harry grabs for a gun and, and you know, brandishes it, but uh, Franco was just too slick with it that it almost seems um, alarmingly so. I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's something well, there. Yeah, I don't know either. That's that's a good question because I do think it's it's a strange moment in general. I, I think the only reason for it, right, is to distract him for long enough for Spider-Man to escape, right? I mean, is there yeah, any Yeah, for other... the Batman maneuver. Yeah, because yeah, it all seems a little bit... A convenient. It's convenient that he's standing next to the gun, yeah. and B, it seems overreactionary to me. I don't know, <laughs> it, or too quick, uh, too quick witted. Is that what I want to say? Too, uh, he's a little yeah. quick, too quick he's on too, his toes there. Too quick on like, the uptake. Yeah, that he's yeah. immediately in that zone. Maybe, maybe the Osbournes. We just didn't have a like establishing scene about this, but maybe they just have guns littered all over the household, like in every <laughs> nook and cranny. Every he's really of- <laughs> he's re- Norman is really paranoid about uh, home invaders. Yeah, so all, every single mask <laughs> in his collection has like a Walter PPK <laughs> behind it or something. He's very, very, very paranoid about home invaders in their mansion on top of a skyscraper. <laughs> yeah. um, that you cannot even access by helicopter. That's right. How, how remote it is. But somebody uh, in the night is going to, oh, oh, I don't know, crawl up the side of the wall oh. and enter. Yeah. <laughs> maybe this go. is a recent thing. Maybe he was like, you know, maybe he had a conversation about, I mean, maybe Harry's been reading the bugle too much. And he was like, we got to prepare for this. We got <laughs> He already doesn't like Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. There's some, there's some maniac on the streets who can climb in. My my fortress is unassailable, but for one man who can climb walls, <laughs> I gotta protect it. Uh, um, so this <laughs> bit where where Harry's screaming, "What have you done? What have you done?" Mm-hmm. Uh, it you know it's a little over the top, but it's better than what's in the script because in the script oh. he straight up calls him a murderer. Wow! Uh, he just he just yells murderer. Uh, at him, which 
that's there's no way that he would be able to know that because like from this distance yeah. all you would be able to assume is like well maybe maybe he heard him i yeah like or something you don't know that he's dead yet i right. wouldn't maybe think. not from this distance yeah or like maybe i don't know norman was at a fire or something or there was a terrible accident and spidey saved him like there's not enough information i mean i i think as soon as he's on the bed thing and not moving then you can maybe assert that he's very hurt but there's no like immediate culpability there so mm-hmm. the leap to murderer is a lot a yeah lot. yeah well, yeah i mean i think this version here is jumping to conclusions a little i mean what have you done he asked him it's like well i mean for all you know he's just standing over a sleeping guy <laughs> sure. uh, right now yeah. <laughs> and and to me i think this might end up being a bit of a theme for me this week or the mm-hmm. over these next couple episodes but I think I feel like this could have worked so much better if it would have been an awkward, unspoken moment, like where it's like, "What's going on?" You know, there, there could have been this moment of tension, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like jumping to something mm-hmm. um, yeah. active. And then Spider-Man, uh, you know, Peter has to figure out how to get out of there, uh, like a quick distraction, something like that could have been more interesting and maybe a little more organic, even than this gun pulling business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I but, do at least appreciate that he asked the question like that. It's less a direct accusation in terms of like murderer, you killed him, but more like, what, what have you done? At least there's a question mark in it. Like what is going on? Well, what if the, what if the question it? was what's, what's going on or something? Hey, that's big. a good one. Yeah. And then, and then <laughs> what are you, when what Spider-Man can't answer it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or something like that. But when Spider-Man cannot answer the question, that leads to suspicion, right? So you right. got, uh, what's going on here? Uh, well, you know, I'm not saying that actually Peter Parker's just standing there mumbling, but what's he going to say? And what, that's a tense moment. And these yeah. guys know each other, but he doesn't want him to know that, you know, he doesn't want Harry to know that he knows him and so on. Yeah. There's all kinds of like more loaded things that could have been going on in this little mm-hmm. mini scene. Yeah. I think, but um, I think you're, I think you're yeah. right. I think, I think if he had opened with, what are you doing here? Yeah. And, Peter just sort of like stares at him from the shadows and maybe even Harry like takes a step toward him and Peter steps back like to keep the distance between them. And then that's when he sort of like looks at his father and looks back at Spider-Man and then goes, what did you do? Yeah. Um, Cause I think, I think the, the, the leap from, just randomly walking into this room (laughs) and just the first question is what did you do is 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 a a a pretty big leap i think i think john's right i think yeah yeah it's it's not as big a leap as in the script but it's still a pretty gargantuan leap yeah right this is a it is a it is quite a step down from the script um Yeah, there, I looked at the script too. I think there were like four R's and murderer written on the page. Murderer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, it's very cartoon. I mean, this is a cartoony scene. I know we're talking about a comic book movie, but mm-hmm. um, I'd rather see more human moments. I mean, there's enough about the movies like this, and especially this particular movie mm-hmm. that is cartoony. Let's have the human moments be human. You know, to me, yeah. I think that would have this movie would have benefited greatly from that. So if we could have had some like human awkwardness, some human tension yeah. uh, here, it would have been a little bit of a richer moment and led to more richness further down the line. I mean, we're talking about it. We're setting up an entire trilogy here mm-hmm. uh, with this moment. Uh, it's, it starts off a different path for the relationship. So right. uh, mm-hmm. would have been, you know, it would have been helpful to, to maybe take a little bit more time with it. Yeah, it, it almost looks like something that might have 
been made in the edit to a certain degree, wherein, I mean, the way that Harry enters the room is super, super cautious and sort of slow and deliberate. And then we, you know, cut to Peter's coverage for a half second with the first, you know, what have you done? And then move to, I almost feel like if we looked at the, the take on the day of Franco entering, that he didn't leap so quickly from zero to 60 mm-hmm. um, in that moment. Or, or at least like, I can feel the movie thinking, well, we already had the big climactic scene. We had the fallout. We had Don't Tell Harry. We kind of have to speed up a bit to get to the, you know, credits now. Mm-hmm. And and if there was looking for a bit to trim a little bit of time here, mm-hmm. you know, maybe compressing the drama of the scene is where they thought was a place that would work. But I think it is to the detriment of the the emotions in the scene. Absolutely. Yeah. In yeah. the in the script's defense, um, and mm. I'm looking at the shooting script. I think I think the the script that you referenced, uh, John, is uh, the cap draft, mm. um, which mm-hmm. is it actually is. just the first the first draft of the of the script, um, mm-hmm. rather than the shooting draft. Which, by the way, I have uh, I have a little bit of uh, uh, extra information on that because oh. this whole time we thought he did that first draft and then kind of walked away completely. He yeah. actually he did that first draft. Then Rosenberg came in and did his draft, which is primarily like the big changes that we've seen. Mm-hmm. But according to the shooting draft, Kep then came back and oh. did another pass before Alvin Sargent did the final pass. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did Sargent do a full pass or did he just do a, a, revisions. a dialogue revisions? That's revisions. what I read. But yeah. I yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, well, I just in terms of like some things we've been seeing in the film in terms of like, you know, like Jurassic Park analogs and things like that, where the, the, the script still does really feel the final film feels a bit David Kepi, even though it's like nothing like that main. Uh, that first draft. Sp- yeah. That first draft. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, but uh, in, in the script's defense um, to the murderer line, uh, I had forgotten this bit. Uh, when when he brings Norman in, uh, Norman is actually fully clothed, uh, but his clothes are like soaked in blood because he's like bleeding out, and it says oh. that he looks like the victim of a murder um, when that. he places him down. So uh, I guess you know to be to be fair to the script, I guess they do set up that line. It's just that they changed <laughs> everything about the context of the scene. So then, you know, they had to change the line and I guess they just didn't, I don't know if they just didn't overthink it. And so they just went with the, what have you done thing? But yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Again, what what have you done would have worked a lot better with bloody clothes. I mean, yes. you, you have That's a reason to ask the question. It's very I mean, true. Yeah. Very true. I'm kind of impressed that they're not bloody, you know? Uh, I, I, I know it's probably because of like uh, PG-13 restrictions and whatnot, but... You know, I don't I don't know when he got this thing that he draped Norman in and where he got it from, which we talked a bit about last week. But I would assume there's still a lot of blood leaking out of this body. I mean, not to get too gross about it, but the dude was impaled with like two swords, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he seems a little cleaned up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you don't think Spidey uh, threw some web down on the wound there to cauterize mm, it or close maybe. it up a little bit, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, is that yeah, something he true. could do? Like yes. super glue? I mean, maybe it's something that would he be could more do. more incriminating. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, right. it'd be incriminating, but he's, yeah, I suppose you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, 
so then we transition to this funeral scene. Um, and you know, this funeral scene, it's funny because, you know, I just, I just, you know, having just reread that night when Stacy died, mm-hmm. uh, story arc, um, to talk about it with, uh, you know, the death of the goblin and, and the bridge stuff, um, the past couple of weeks, there is a funeral in the issue after, um, Norman dies. And when I'm reading it, when I was reading it because of this scene in this movie, I was reading it and like, you know, Peter was really sad and everyone was really sad. And I was just like, why is everybody bummed out about Norman being dead? And then they're like, Gwen Stacy, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just, I just assumed it was Norman's funeral when I was reading it because I just so not used to the Gwen Stacy thing, but, um, right, right. uh, but yeah, I don't know this, this funeral seems, um, weirdly small. Small. Yeah. Like, is everybody like gone? Cause it's the end of the service or did just like really not that many people show up? Mm, I don't it's, know. I'm yeah. thinking it's the end of the, the people that really matter are the only ones left. Mm-hmm. So I when the funeral's over, I mean, I've been to some funerals, get, mm-hmm. get the hell out of there. You know, you're yeah. ready to, certainly not someplace you want to hang around too long, you know? Right. So sure. you go to your car, there was the, the line of, of limos along the drive there and everybody walked over and got in and drove off and, the people that really count, the the Parkers and and you know, I guess I guess MJ there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all that's left. So I'm that's how I take it. They're just kind of hanging around afterwards. Yeah, as the family. I, I guess it was something about like the the way the hillside is sort of concealing the seating area, and that mm-hmm. I can't really tell how many like chairs they have out. That it just feels like oh this. The stuff at the very top next to the casket is all we have of the funeral. So it seems like you know, a dozen people are there maybe, which mm-hmm. is awkwardly small, but I don't know. It and it could just... be, I mean, it could be Harry not wanting a ton of people there. And it, mm-hmm. cause it, you know, it's interesting because I'm watching these extras, right. And I'm, I'm sort of watching them, uh, react and leave. And mm-hmm. everyone as they're passing are really kind of like, they're weirdly side-eyeing the casket and then yeah. walking away. There's one guy that literally just does like, I mean, he just does a beeline right past it and just yeah. like, all right, let's get out of here. Um, yep. I, and I don't know it. So like, there's a few people that seem to maybe have a direct connection to Norman or, or uh, Oscorp maybe, but it does seem, it strikes me that maybe, Harry is mostly just having this funeral for his father and for himself. And the people that showed up are somehow connected to Harry and helping him mourn maybe. Mm, And so that's why it's kind of smaller. Um, I just want to know who this old guy is talking to, to MJ and. Oh yeah. That's what I want to know. The priest, right? Oh, is that what it is? Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, he looks like a you know your typical little Irish Catholic priest kind of guy. That's what he reminds like the movie trope kind of priest. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's wearing long black coats, and so it's hard to tell the difference. (laughs) True. I think you you might even be able to eye a collar back there, but I can't. I I think I can see it now that you're saying it. I can at least see the black shirt that he's got, which Mm -hmm. leads a lot more credence to that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. and you know, one thing to think about too is that this is a you know to go back to why there might not be so many people there. This is the burial. That's 
mm-hmm. often much smaller than the uh, than the service. That's right. You know, the larger yeah. service that takes place in a church or some gathering where it's like more of a mm-hmm. memorial and everyone's welcome. Right. Often right. the burials will just be the family. So, yeah. and you know, and you also don't want to hire a bunch of extras if you don't have to. It's yeah. true, man. Fair Save enough. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, I, I, not to backtrack too much, but I, I do still want to point out, um, it, the the beat where Spidey disappears with the gun and everything. Um, we've spent so much time uh, talking about connections to Batman '89 and Batman in general, and mm-hmm. having the guys from the Batman '89 cast on here. That I I, I do want to at least shout out that I think that is the most Batman moment in the entire <laughs> movie and possibly series. It's just the look down, look up, and he's gone. Uh, yeah. So shout out to Batman here. Um, this <laughs> this cemetery. This is um. Not in New York proper. I like I looked. I tried to look it up, and they said shooting location is Valhalla, New York. Um, so, mm. like, not within the actual uh, boundaries of the city. But I do like how it seems like more remote and quiet. You know, it's not like a mm-hmm. we're not right like right behind a giant church or something in you know bustling borough somewhere. Um, it's like right. almost a different time and place than the rest of the movie takes place in. I mean, I you'd probably want that for the performances. Yeah, uh, because you you wouldn't want any like paparazzi around to deal with, and you just certainly wouldn't want like crowds of people off camera or something watching. Sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, that makes sense that they would go way outside of the city to film mm-hmm. something like this. Yeah, um, but at least it's not like Santa Monica or something. You know, it's still right. very you know cold gray skies and crisp air, New York City. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> fun. Let me check here. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, do you think this whole section is 80-yard, or do they just have really, really impressive windscreens on those uh, microphones mm. here? Because it looks really windy when yeah. uh, Peter rolls up to talk to him. Um, There's a really good likelihood it's 80-yard, yeah. I imagine. A lot of this kind of stuff is. Because mm-hmm. um, there's just too, too many, you know, I don't there's know leaves. where this place is, but you're going to have your airplanes flying over. You're going to have... Uh, Bustling traffic in the back. There's just all kinds of crazy wild sound back right. there. So I'm just you're, thinking of all that wind and the leaves and whatnot. Like it's right. a pretty yeah. bustly day, but yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't really stand out as as that way. So I was I was either going to be I didn't know whether to be impressed by the windscreens and the sound technicians or to be impressed by the actors matching performance in the ADR pretty well because uh, it's pretty seamless here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. Uh, heavy stuff yeah what i do like about uh the juxtaposition of these two scenes um is that we just had a harry peter scene and now we're having another harry a peter scene um you know like i there's something (sighs) that very spider-man about the idea of you know spider-man can't help him but peter can you know like mm. it, like the idea of like peter having to listen to harry say like spider-man will pay and peter's <laughs> yeah. like oh, he's talking about me oh man like i gotta <laughs> just listen to this okay um i don't know there's just something that's so quintessentially spider-man to me because you don't even see that sort of thing happen with uh you know batman or superman you know the other yeah. big secret identity guys. Um, yeah. You don't see They're that really sort of friends, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, Superman yeah. does. I mean, Clark has has the whole Daily Planet. Um, yeah. People that he uh, that he deals with, but uh, but does he go to them for? I mean, 
to me, the Harry Peter relationship is more of an actual friendship. Like where mm-hmm. I, I don't recall Superman going to Jimmy Olsen and, and uh, telling him his deepest thoughts and fears. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I could be wrong <laughs> about that. I mean, there's a whole lot of Superman out there. There's so a I'm lot. Yeah. Missing something. <laughs> but to me, I think of this more of a friendship and that more of a, uh, you know, I'm living amongst these people kind of thing with Superman, but right. uh, which is often the difference between DC and Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. Your characters and their secret identities or their mild mannered identities that they're living among people. They're actually living among the people uh, yeah. actually are the people. As opposed mm-hmm. to the DC people who uh, are hiding among the people, you know. So right, yeah. Um, but I like it. I mean, I like. I think you were saying, Scott, is this juxtaposition between these two scenes is it's a it's a Harry Spider Man scene that goes into a Harry Peter scene. Uh-huh. Uh, if you get what I mean. So uh, yeah. So what, like you're saying, it's nice to get that uh, something just happened. I'm going to tell my friend about it. I'm, but I don't know that I'm telling my friend about himself. You know. Right. So yeah. it's a, it's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good. I, we'll get in maybe tomorrow into a little bit more how I feel about the dialogue itself. But sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, but, I think it's a good juxtaposition, a good cut, and it's a nice little tilt. The the tilt down is nice mm-hmm. for, from where the high rise. Uh, a penthouse. Mm-hmm. We're gonna tilt down. He's in the ground now. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's just a nice little visual. Uh, and that, and that we do a cross dissolve just to keep him on the screen a little bit longer than, mm-hmm. than we might have otherwise. Yeah, it, it works like pretty well. Visually I even, burying him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I even like the um, uh, when we cut into coverage of people's faces here. This like first shot that we have, um, this little push in on Harry that we kind of have our three key players in a row. With like Harry in the foreground and then Peter in the midground and MJ in the background, that like what looms large in the frame is Harry's grief, and then secondary to that is Peter's guilt, and then MJ's distance from from both of them right now. Uh, mm. That Harry is more alone now than he's been kind of ever. So it kind of works to sort of have her very far back, uh, you know, as far as a shot like this allows, and then have Peter sort of approach. It's I don't know. It's just it's simple, like you know, meat and potatoes filmmaking stuff. But I I like it when it when it works and serves the story like this. Mm-hmm. And I just like that shot of him turning around, like like he can't believe somebody's trying to talk to him right now. He's <laughs> very genuinely vulnerable and hurt right now. Yeah, it's uh yeah. I don't know. I I I just I like how this is all sort of set up and this is the sort of thing i mean we kind of talked talked about it a little bit uh last week mm-hmm. but it's just the way they are setting up the sequel in a yeah. in a way that isn't about plot it's just about character and i just mm. i find that so impressive because it's not a thing that is currently done with mm-hmm. these kinds of movies everything that's set up for the uh, for the next uh films are always plot teases and things like that and this yeah. is very much just kind of setting up the new status quo of these characters that yeah. we're going to be dealing with you know w- if and new when conflicts. we yeah. revisit them uh in the sequel and i think that that's what made these movies so successful is mm-hmm. that we cared about these characters, not so much the plot. Right. There's there's no Infinity Stones here to be discussed. It's right. just about how a friend's relationship has changed. And, and and one of them doesn't even know how much it's changed because of the secret that's here now. Right. Uh, it's, uh, I like it's, that. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like uh, this movie, you guys. It really. Did. <laughs> um. So, uh, so John, do you um, 
we've been asking everybody this, but uh, I, I'm I'm curious because I don't I don't know what your background is with uh, with like Spider Man as a pop culture entity. Do you do you have any memories as like a kid of like discovering Spider Man for the first time, or do you have any um, memories maybe with your kid? What is how does your kid feel about Spider Man? Mm-hmm. Well, he likes Spider Man fine. He does not like this movie at all. Uh, oh. <laughs> it scared the crap out of him. Like, he did not like, and he's not easily scared. I, I don't know what it was about this movie in particular that made him say turn it off. But it was uh, you know the whole transformation. Uh, Green Goblin, you know, in the oh. laboratory, he just didn't like that at all. That was as far as we got. <laughs> uh, but he does like Spider Man. He's watched that cartoon. Um, I can't think of the exact name of it, but the pretty recent cartoon, quite a bit. Um, and you know, has some toys and, and stuff. It's not like, for you know, kind of tracing it back to me. Then I'm not a big Spider Man fan. I never have been. Uh, mm-hmm. I do have a very early memory, and I think it would have been my fourth or fifth birthday. Of receiving the amazing like Mego, uh, I'm an old guy, so this is like 1980. <laughs> we're talking about, uh-huh. but receiving on my birthday the amazing Mego like 12 inch action figure <laughs> with the cloth uh, cloth suit and everything. Oh yeah, and then you know infiltrating my sister's like Barbie world with him and and so on. You know, and <laughs> I loved that toy, but I just you know the cartoon. I remember a little bit the old cartoon. I remember mm-hmm. the. Uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, uh, few. Ma- what do you call it? Fumetto kind of. Uh, the Spider-Man is on- amazing. Few friends or the one that where there's no speaking. It's just the bubbles pop up. I can't remember oh, what that's oh, from. Um, or- the Electric Company. Yeah, Electric. Company. Yeah, my Electric yeah. Company. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so I remember all that, but there was nothing for me to grab onto that much. Growing up, um, I just didn't think that much about Spider-Man. And then as I grew a little older and got into high school and, and read comics and stuff, I was just always leaning into the darker stuff like uh, Batman and even a lot of image comics and stuff like that. So <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man was just never there for me. And then uh, when I saw this movie, when it came out, I honestly was like kind of okay with it, but not really that excited about it. it like, okay. It was fine. Uh, I wasn't as excited about it as I was uh, later entries, but um, that's it. I mean, I'm not a big Spider-Man fan, but mm-hmm. Always, uh, always game to to watch a movie and talk about it with anybody. <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah. Well, I, I and but but I I know that you you enjoy uh, Sam Raimi as a filmmaker. Um, well, and, yes. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean, there's definitely that angle. Uh, so you're not <laughs> just I mean, so people uh, at all are just like, why did you even bring this guy on here? <laughs> well, of course. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The Sam the, Raimi connection is definitely there for you. Pretty sure, sure. Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, of course, Army of Darkness, that everything, yeah. and then but Dark Man would have been that's my big one. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, when yeah. that came out, right when I was just like ready for anything, and really becoming this little cinephile, I think I was fourteen when that movie came out, or thirteen, oh, and it yeah. just blew my mind, and I still love it. I still think I think that's the quintessential um, Sam Raimi with a budget movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for me so that's so the it, perfect so. age to see dark man because it's <laughs> it's it's just inappropriate enough where <laughs> a 13 14 year old is just like man this movie's so cool yeah because uh, that was the age that i was when i saw blade and yes. i thought blade oh. was the coolest movie on the right. planet when that movie I came out still kind of think blade is the coolest movie on the planet like <laughs> Part of my brain will never like unhinge itself from that initial yeah. reaction where I was like, my uh, God. 
But yeah, yeah. So I, I was just I was struck by uh, the thirteen year old you seeing Dark Man. I'm like, yeah, that oh, yeah, makes sense. total sense. <laughs> yeah. And all the in camera, I'm still, you know, that's another thing. I guess we could talk about for a second is mm-hmm. um, where I'm a little disappointed with Spider Man was that um, there are parts of this movie that are uh, have the in camera effect mm-hmm. uh, angle of Sam Raimi's work. Mm-hmm. And, and but then there's this, of course, this incredible reliance on CGI. Mm-hmm. And to me, Sam Raimi definitely is at his best doing all the in camera effects, all the crazy. Um, God, there's so much fun stuff in Dark Man, for instance. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. just he gets so much mileage out of these in camera effects and um, mm-hmm. practical effects. I love that stuff, and I kind of, you know, nowadays it's kind of sad. You know, this, the the Oz movie and so on. You're just like, oh man, I wish he would just go back to basics. But you yeah, know, I just hard. I just wish he would direct another movie. He hasn't in a yeah. long time, a while. Um, it's it's gonna... odd, right? The, yeah, the Oz movie being the last one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And I think it made a bunch of money, didn't it? Yeah, it did. So what? I don't know what's going on. He's just waiting for the right thing, I guess. I don't yeah, know. I, I guess, guess so. I mean, he was in producer mode uh, with Ash and the Evil Dead for a while, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing Ghost House Pictures for a while. Mm, um, yeah. And I think sense. that's just been his focus because he can make money and not actually have to like go to a set and stuff. Um Sure. Yeah. So, can't, I mean, can't blame me for that. And, and um, I think I and I think he he some he figured out that oh I can make a pilot and I can get a check from every episode of a TV show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think he's been trying to make a successful pilot for a while too. There was a couple of pilots that he did that uh, went to series and then were like quickly canceled. So um, right. I think I think he's just been sort of like toying around and figuring out what he's going to do. But. Yeah, where um, to aim it. but I would love yeah. to see another Sam Raimi movie um, mm-hmm. on the big screen. And yeah, back to basics type would, would be great. I mean, it's yeah. funny, like this film as an example of, you know, the, the new CGI era, because it's almost like it was the the one straddling the line between the, the, the two um, types of filmmaking. Not that there's only two types of filmmaking, but that we've talked a lot on the podcast how a lot of aspects of this film are kind of a throwback to older Hollywood traditions, like, you know, uh, 2D matte paintings and shooting on back lots and, uh, you know, a big fun John, uh, excuse me, a big fun Danny Elfman score and whatnot. Uh, but with that almost, you know, sticking out in retrospect CGI element there, here and there, like the, the whole hulking ruin fight last week was almost completely practically shot on a soundstage. And it, it looks different than, than most things we see these days, but it ushered in the the like superhero craze, which is almost the poster child for the everything's digital. So it's it's kind of funny that it is the like you know hinge around which that conversation turns, like the the mm-hmm. lever swinging. Is the lever the right metaphor for that? Maybe it's a, it's bridge. a pendulum. Bridge. Yeah, bri- yeah. <laughs> it's a bridge. It's a bridge. There you go. Yeah, it's a bridge. Got it. All right. <laughs> but, Glad I made uh... it to the end of that thought. <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we we talked a lot about uh, about the CG in this movie and how um, a lot of it doesn't work. Some of it is fine, um, mm. but but a lot of it definitely doesn't uh, doesn't work. Uh, you won't hear any arguments from us. Um, but there is, <laughs> I I think there is a lot more as we've gone through this movie. There's a lot more of Sam Raimi in this movie than I think people realize um as we as we discovered going through here there are a lot of shots and things in here that 
I just, I'm kind of blown away like that. I feel like I almost haven't ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, having watched this movie as many times as I, ha- I had, I think there were shots in here where Zach and I would just be like, oh, oh, wow, right. Sam Raimi directed this. Holy crap. Um, yeah. That would happen several times throughout this. So a lot of uh, the stuff back at like Norman's house or, mm-hmm. you know, in, in in some of the like setups to his fights and whatnot, we're like, oh, yeah, this is him flexing that Evil Dead 2 muscle again. OK. Oh, yeah. I see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So What's you, the moment where he's is he running to catch up with the guy, you know, that, that killed Uncle Ben or was responsible mm-hmm. for his death? Mm-hmm. And it looks like a big go motion puppet. Like <laughs> yes, it's down always the stuck out in my yeah, it's always stuck out in my <laughs> mind as being the most Sam Raimi moment in the whole movie because oh, yeah. I feel like he's he's like either taking removing clothing or putting on clothes. I can't remember what he's doing. He's putting he's on like, the, the yeah. costume. He's putting on his like wrestler mask version of the yeah. costume right. Right on his way. He goes running down an alleyway and then jumps on the wall. And we have the yeah. first big like. Wall yeah, I love it. it. I love it. Yeah. It looks like a puppet. It should look like. I, I love it when stuff looks like puppets. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm more into that than it looking real. To be honest yeah, with you, absolutely. That, you know, so that, that was that's definitely very Sam Raimi esque. There, very dark yeah. manish. Oh even, yeah, like the the whole scene in the burning building uh, where like Goblin sets a trap for Spidey and he dresses up like an old woman in a shawl, but like with his Goblin suit on. So you yeah. pull this like. <laughs> Like de- a dead eye, like turn and scream in his face maneuver. I'm like, oh yeah, that's Sam. There he is. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> um, but uh, all right. Well, uh, I guess we will. Uh, we I think that's all we got for this minute. So we will come back tomorrow to talk about minute one twelve. Uh, John, where can people find you? Well, I am the host of a, a very similar show called the Alien Minute, where we uh, <sighs> discuss Alien, and uh, now right now we're discussing Aliens one minute at a time. So you can find us over there at AlienMinute.com. Um, we're also on Twitter at AlienMinutePod, on Instagram at AlienMinutePodcast. Yeah, all right. Splendid. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and we will be back tomorrow with Minute 112. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.